Welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Today I have Alan Linda Lerner from Movies and Shakers on to talk about the Chicago Critics Film Festival, an event at the incredible Music Box Theater where some of the best movies from the film festivals that are shown around the country are picked by Chicago's top critics and shown at this venue. It is an incredible theater to go to. They have a 70 millimeter projector, a 35 millimeter projector, and a digital projector. So imagine seeing Boogie Nights, which they showed there on 35 millimeter. Wow, incredible. I'd like to thank my sponsor, the guys you see in the background, and my website, and my YouTube channel, my Twitter, all that, Galway Bay. Located at 500 West Diversity Parkway. The bars are open. The masks are coming off. And what better place to go than a local Chicago pub that is you know, based on Ireland off the Galway Bay. And actually run from a guy from there, Nolan Patrick Rafferty, who's been amazingly supportive throughout the years. Hear about these movies and all of the relevant description, links to the films, you know, our reviews, our coverage, or the interviews that Al and Linda did with the filmmakers will be in there, as well as links to my interviews with Stephen Forbes, the director of Hold Your Fire, and C.C. Cleary, a producer on Two Leslie, both movies that we talk about are available through another separate episode that you can find on my podcast material. Anyways, let's start the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Today, again, from moviesandshakers.com, Al and Linda Lerner, uh, we all went to the uh, Heads Come Over, uh, I don't know how I said that, whatever. Uh, I'll redo that, it's a recording so I can fix it. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Hey everyone, welcome to You'll Probably Agree. I have Al and Linda on from moviesandshakers.com to talk about the Chicago Critics Film Festival. And people are probably wondering, like, what is the Chicago Critics Film Festival? And I guess the best way I can put it is, like, it's an event where critics find movies from other festivals, such as, like, you know, Sundance or, you know, uh, South by Southwest, yeah. etc. You probably know better than me. <laughs> but but they would kind of say, hey, we really like these. We want to put them in Chicago so people could see it. And it's at this old incredible venue. I mean, the music box has been around for how many years now? Oh, since the 20s. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. That, that, that would be that would be the 1920s. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah, right, right. That's right because we're in 2020 now, and sometimes I forget. Yeah, yeah you know, right. interesting thing about the uh, the Chicago Film Critics Festival that I didn't know until the last night when they uh, mentioned it is that this is the only festival in the country that is actually organized by critics. Yep. Uh, you know, critics most of the time just go to movies to, to complain about them. <laughs> uh, and here is an organization that, that actually uh, said, here are movies we like, and we'd like to share them with you, which was, which is unique for critics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of the beautiful thing about it. It's like, I, I have that in Ebert Fest. I haven't been to like the ones where everyone's like, Oh, it's not like this festival, not like that festival, which I could imagine if you go to like, can or something like that you know everyone's kind of like i'm on this team and i'm on this team you know and here it's more like everyone's very welcoming and it's a community feel we're just enjoying the art of film instead of sort of you know 
bashing and saying, oh, I didn't like this and I didn't like that. And it's great to have people go, hey, who's that director? What's that movie? And it's a great way to kind of bring word of mouth and introduce folks to like new types of films instead of just, you know, seeing the same thing again and again. Um, so uh, if I go down the list here, I'm going to go through uh, some of the movies we saw. Uh, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Uh, Good one to start with. Yeah. Yeah. That was the very first one they uh, showed. And uh, I think I'm, I'm going to be the bad guy here. I, I called <laughs> it in my review, Cha-Cha Real Snooze. Um, and here's the thing. It's not particularly a bad film. It's just is not my kind of brand of humor where everything kind of feels a little fictitious and they're winking at the camera. Uh, Cooper Rafe, sort of the uh, guy who stars in it, writes in it, acts in it, directs in it. It sort of feels like a movie he made in the same sort of sense of uh, like King Richard, where it's like a nostalgia piece where it's like, hey, look at how much of a great guy I am. And. Oh boy, and I know that's very that's really burning it down and making it simplistic. I understand that it's a film about depression and about maturity and how things don't really go the way we want to and how we have to let go of the, you know, ones that we love, you know, in order for the greater good to grow as a person and that it has a non-confrontational style that's actually very heartwarming and welcoming and that's all great, but I just didn't vibe with it. And it's honestly a personal thing where everyone's probably going to disagree with me on that. And that's totally fine. That's why we all have different opinions on movies. If we share the same opinion, it would be good. But I, I'm let's, guessing let's, you guys let's like it. Let's break it down. Let's, we let's we, we down do disagree criticism. with you completely. Yeah. <laughs> so so we have we have a, uh, a, young, a young guy who doesn't really know who he is and is – searching for connect is searching for uh his place to find his place in the world and the places he's finding for himself in the world very much like young people today mm-hmm. is nothing that they want mm-hmm. you know working at meat sticks and uh <laughs> and having and, and having a, an education that is absolutely getting yeah. him nowhere is really is really depressing but the other the other part of that is also is that if you if you followed that movie is that his childhood wasn't all of that uh, idyllic as well is that he had to take care of his mother who uh, who by the way uh, did a great a great job yes, the actress yes, yes. Uh, Leslie Mann yes, Leslie, Leslie Mann yes. did a great job Jared but right. he mm-hmm. was forced as a as a young kid to grow up fast because mm-hmm. his mother suffered from depression yeah. And he had to actually uh, step up and take care uh, of of a single of a single mom, which all goes in all goes into the, to the background of how is this kid going to find his way in the world. But it's more than that because um, it, what was interesting is we saw it twice without an audience. We saw it this last time with an audience, and it was a much different experience because the laughs were there, the jokes were there, the gags were there, and the fun was there as well as a lot of heartfelt uh, feelings for finding your soulmate, but not being at the right place at the right time. Now you think the, the comedy was a little cheeky that it was just too, too precious that he was like, you you called it winking at winking at the camera. Mm -hmm. And you know what, you know, that's, you know, comedy, you know, writing comedy is, is tougher than, than you think. Uh, And, you know, trying to get the lines and the timing 
and directing that all is you know is a challenge and maybe maybe in the hands of another director you would like this movie uh, a little better maybe the fact that he's that he's a young guy with this is his second film his first yeah. film was called shit house yeah. he probably would have liked better <laughs> uh, with the c as as c h i and then i think two t's yeah not those shits but anyway but anyway but but it was like it was like a shed i'm guessing or something i don't know i never i haven't seen i'm actually curious about it because i hear it's a good movie and it has a vulgar title but i'm and he played all the roles in that yeah he did he did he says his next movie Mm -hmm. he's not going to be starring in oh well that's nice (laughs) (laughs) but they also but he also had another aspect in that film dakota johnson was very good in that film and uh uh, it did a great job being the mother of an autistic young woman who uh, was a terrific actress. And who's uh, actually autistic. Mark. I read in real life. Exactly. Vanessa yeah. Burkhart. And she auditioned. She, she is an actress. She's definitely an actress. Not, she says, I don't want to be the poster child for autism. I, I am an actress. So here's a, a little you know, peek behind the curtain about this film is that uh, we talked to Cooper Rafe. Uh, and he shared with us that when he wrote this uh, this script, uh, the kid was not autistic. She had something completely different yeah. different going on with her until he saw this kid's audition tape, and then he said, "She's in the movie. We're changing the movie." And he wouldn't hear. Uh, he got a lot of pushback on that, and he wouldn't hear any of that. And he uh, said, "This is the movie I'm going to make with this kid now." Autism is the uh, is the issue for her, and he said that he had to keep up with her, mm. which mm. was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I could, I, I kind of know a little bit it's what a good that's character. like. Lola is a good yeah. character. She is, she is. I'm, I'm just wondering if they, how much research he did with autism when he did the movie, because like a lot of the scenes with Lola, they were cute, but then she kind of felt like. It felt like they were using her handicap sort of like as a punchline in a way. It's like, oh, she says something that's a bit awkward. And Andrew, the, the name of the character he was playing, had to be very polite and adjust to it. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. But then it like kind of repeated itself again and again, sort of like how men repeats this point again and again. And it, or it did he see it. this? Or did he see this autistic kid as a reflection of himself? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you're gonna have to cut him some slack. You're gonna have yeah. to cut his character some slack on that one. Right. I, I'm not trying to change your mind on this. No. You know, no. I'm and, and honestly, I'm always up for a second watch because I get, you know, if I just see something once, like Stanley Kubrick said, you've never really seen a movie unless you've seen it once. I mean, I don't know if you can argue that for everything. I don't know if you can argue that for like, you know, Norbit or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting way they made this movie as well, and uh, Linda found this out, is that they actually, this was shot during COVID, and to keep everyone safe and to find a location where they could have all of these different party locations and office mm. and home and all of that, they took over an abandoned um, uh, mall, shopping mall, shopping mall in, outside of Pittsburgh yep. or in Pittsburgh wow. uh, to shoot this. So they had all of these built in different locations all in the same under the same roof. And they would just have the kids would be at all the same parties because they were all friends and they were all students in the same school or whatever it was. But they just have them change clothes and have a different setting and make sure 
that, you know, certain people were only, they were shot differently so that it looked like a, a new party. I have a question for you, Mike. You ever been to a bar mitzvah? No. Okay. Well, then the, movie, then the movie's lost on you. <laughs> it, it probably, again, I think, because I know I'm, I was watching this and I'm going, okay, everybody's loving this. And I feel like a bad, I feel like Scarface, you know, walking out of the restaurant saying, say goodnight to the bad guy, you know, but I, but I was just thinking also at the same time, like, you know, I probably, I think the thing that sort of threw me off is like when Cooper Rafe was like on stage to talk about the movie afterwards. I'm like, okay, I'd like to hear him articulate the film. And he was just like drunk and not making any sense. And then I'm like, yeah, okay. He's not really like validating anything I'm seeing in the no. film. But again, yeah. this is yeah, sort yeah. of, and it's Chicago. We, we love to drink, you know, yeah, but he, yeah. could, he, you know, he gets to be young and stupid too. Yeah. Yeah. Which he was in the movie. Like, he literally played himself, which I think that was a hard thing to connect with. I'm like, why do I care about, like, some young playboy, you know? But, again, something something. Here's, that's here's my tip. Here's my tip for I you. I wouldn't consider him a young playboy. Yeah, he wasn't a playboy. No, no, no. He, no, no. he was no, definitely middle so. class. But here's my tip for you, Mike. Uh, go go find some some Jews and get invited to a bar mitzvah. Yeah, I think you have a good time. I, I, <laughs> 90% of my friends I grew up with were Jewish, so it wouldn't be too hard. <laughs> um, but I guess we can go down the list here. Uh, the next one I saw I think is going to be a hit. As a matter of fact... It was already a hit, and I had no idea about that. Marcel the Shell with shoes on just had an absolutely beautiful heart to it. I think it's the kind of movie where I go, man, I wish animation studios would do this more often. I wish Pixar would make this film. Because every Pixar movie is, hi, my name is Mike, and I'm a little quirky, and my family doesn't really like me. And by the end of the film, my family understands me, and we have like a big cut back to And it wasn't any of that. This was a movie about family done in a very different way with pseudo-documentary mixed with stop-motion animation, all based on a YouTube video that came out, I think, like in like maybe 10 years ago, and it got like 10 million views. So they made a film out of it. And the movie's generated from uh, Jenny Slate uh, and her husband, uh, Dean Fleischer. Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up later when I actually pull up my review for it. But I, I loved it. It had so many existential elements to it, you know, re- regarding identity and gratefulness. You know, it, like th- there's a line from Marcel. I don't know if it's in the movie or not, but he says, uh, you know, you know why I always like to, you know why I always like to smile. They go, why is that? Because it's worth it. So, yeah. I, what did you guys think of the movie? Well, you know, uh, first of all, it's also it's also about inclusion and mm-hmm. diversity Absolutely. as well. I mean, you know, in, in what kind of world does does a one inch shell wearing shoes and, and Google eyes? get automatic acceptance it's like oh yeah it's it's, it's marcel <laughs> yeah it, it's it's fine no problem here acceptance total acceptance from the minute you start with him it's funny is oh i'm sorry go ahead i'm sorry well he but he i mean he's also he's he's so cute and the voice is cute mm-hmm. which of, yeah. of course helps i mean the voice really got the personality out yeah and i think that that helped um there were it's, 
some of the sound, I missed some of the, the gag lines, which I was kind of frustrated with. Right. I don't know if it was the sound in the theater or just the sound period, mm -hmm. but um, I'm going to go see it again because I want to catch all of those lines because the, the audience loved it. The audience absolutely loved it, and we thought it was adorable. Yeah, yeah. and I give a lot of credit to uh, uh, reaching out. I, I wonder what the, the folks at 60 Minutes uh, said when they when they reached out. <laughs> To them and to yes. get you know to get Leslie Stahl to play along. I mean that was you know that that was a big get to get you know to have sixty minutes play along with a feature really? film. Well, the thing is, Marcel was kind of a hit even before the film, and I didn't know it when I saw it. It wasn't until I saw that YouTube video. Uh, like I just typed in the name of the movie and just like bam, there's just like a million results on Marcel. And uh, there was a show that Brian Williams used to host on NBC. It was called like The Rock or Rock Time or something like that. And he actually interviewed Marcel on that show like many, many years ago. The the actually how the character came up is pretty fascinating. Uh, if every anyone remembers when Jenny Slate was on SNL, she was doing a sketch where she plays like a biker, and they're saying like freaking a lot. But she accidentally said the other word by accident. And they were in negotiations basically to keep her on or off the show. And, you know, Lauren Michaels, I guess, decided to boot her off because of it. And while she was in that process, she was in a very negative mindset. Uh, Dean Fleischer can't, I remember the name of his husband, uh, her husband. Um, she, she was in a very negative mindset and she said, you know, that I don't, something that I once loved is now kind of tainted. And like, how do I find something that makes me happy? And she came up, she and her husband kind of came up with the idea of this character with, and, and the voice is like based on two of her grandmothers. Uh, oh. one of, one of which is from, uh, a multitude of countries but uh, according to her words, she sounds like sort of like a, 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 a baby from an Asian country. <laughs> like she sounds like this. Oh, I'm so happy for you. And then she has another aunt who <laughs> uses a lot of hairspray. And she's like, oh, honey, you know, you got you to gotta make sure you find yourself a good man. And then she just kind of combined them together into something really soft. And it's a voice that it's it's a voice that I think everyone just just loves hearing. And uh, there's even an audio book available. That's interesting. Very nice. Oh, and Jenny Slate is in a lot of movies lately. And we've I've seen her, her come back in, in more live productions. Yeah, she she's uh, really done a great job in the indie world, uh, sort of showing up in things uh, left and right. So, I mean, she, she's proof that you don't have to, like, be successful just to be on SNL. Like, that's not the only ladder. I mean, if you remember, Jim Carrey was rejected and he was on In Living Color and his career exploded. But, yeah, it's it's great to see that Jenny Slate embraces indie films and this movie is sort of like an embrace of life. It's an embrace of the positive things that we have that we forget about you know because we're tied up with everything else and th that's what i like about marcel is marcel is like although he's a kid i think uh he uh he's very wise like like a lot of the things he says it's like wow marcel's like a little philosopher you know you know in a way and it just it, you could like listen to him for hours but well and all the, the animation is interesting too because it's yeah. that's not easy animation that takes a lot of time to put together mm -hmm. and a yeah. lot of creativity. So, and they did a very good job of moving that character around. Yeah. How does a shell age anyway? 
I I don't know. There, there was um, the, the, uh, Isabel Rossellini played the grandmother, and she was sort of older, and like I think her eye was like a little droopier. So right. Maybe that's yeah. how and the grandmother was a great was a great character yes. as well. I talk about unconditional love, yeah, uh, and and acceptance and and all of that in in someone who uh is uh of an advanced more advanced age was nice it was nice to see as well so there are a lot, a lot of nice touch points in the in in that story that uh, that she brought out it's a good warm fuzzy it, it is an audience pleaser crowd pleaser i think a24 is having one of their best years i mean first they come out with i think everything everywhere all at once is their highest grossing movie and I think this one's going to make a lot of money too, or it could not. It's interesting. Everything, all everything, everywhere, all at once is somewhere in the forties, forty million dollars or something. Yeah. And that's a eight twenty. The thing about that, that that's a twenty four's highest grossing movie ever. And then you take a look at Marvel castoffs <laughs> that, that bring in hundreds of millions of hundreds oh. of millions of dollars. You can't and, compare them though. Well, no, you can't. Them. I'm just comparing dollars for dollars. You know, the the the, the scale of the scale of the business is just is pretty right. interesting. Right. I will say, ironically, uh, A24 is beating Disney with the multiverse. I'd say with everything, everywhere it wants is a much better multiverse movie than, you know, Doctor Strange and the repeated plot lines from other shows. And also... Uh, um, Loki and all of yeah, you know, yeah. this is the I year of the like multiverse. Loki a lot. I like Loki. Great, I yeah. like Loki a lot, and yeah, I'm looking too. forward to Loki. But it's yeah. it's you know this is the year of the multiverse. Yep, it is, and it's sort of like I was. I think I kind of jested with everyone. Like the multiverse is sort of this generation's version of time travel, where like everyone around the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s you know, would want to do that whole back to the future. Hey, why, what if we change this? And da, 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 da. and this is sort of the version of that. I mean, there's literally a show on uh, Disney Plus with Marvel called What If. But I mean, and now Marcel seems like it's going to be beating Pixar's movies where it's like this is a film that says so much more and is so much more original at the same time, yet on such a smaller budget. And it's amazing how you can see these movies on a small budget and what they can pull off is far more impressive than the millions of dollars of technical wizardry that well, goes into some of those movies. Special effects. The best thing you can do to Pixar is throw down a challenge. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because Pixar and the creativity of Pixar will yeah, will yeah. pick up will pick up the uh, the glove and and run with it yeah. exactly and that's what i want them to do i want them to go oh we got we got to stop making movies about you know quirky family members because <laughs> it's like i think i thought of six films that did that but anyways that's a whole that's a other whole other discussion um i'm very curious uh did you guys see two leslie yes yeah what were your thoughts on that because I, I don't know if I'm going to be the minority again on this one. No, maybe maybe not. I mean, when we first started watching it, we weren't sure we were going to hang with it. We got about halfway through and said, well, should we continue watching this or not? Because it was somewhat repetitive. And Andrea Riceborough is a, quite a fantastic actress. She was on the screen every single minute. And in a character that is less than engaging, as a homeless bust out lottery winner and then losing lost all the money 
rejects her son, abandons, becomes an alcoholic. I, I mean, anything. She was a depressed mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. Hard to, hard to stick with that. Yeah, you know, it's it's always interesting to see uh, how people blow one hundred ninety-two thousand yeah. dollars. Although, uh, you know, not not hard. There's many stories of uh, lottery winners who have yeah. blown through millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, not to mention all of the football players especially football players who ended up homeless and on the street after multi-million dollar careers as well. So, you know, drinking, drinking away $192,000 wasn't, wasn't that uh, spectacular a feat. It's Mm -hmm. done all, it's done all the time, but. But it, I think with Mark Maron entering the equation there as someone who saw someone who needed help and tried to help them, and it was one of his best roles, I have to say. I, I think he mm. did a terrific job acting in there. Mm-hmm. And he lifted that movie to a certain extent. Yeah, he really did. And then who was his buddy who played like Rel or something? The guy who like howled like a coyote out right. of nowhere. And I think he's on Empire. He was a really yeah. great addition to the cast as well. Yeah, well, Mark Marin knows a thing or two about uh, alcohol yeah. and, and addiction. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and the ups, ups and downs and how... Uh, how fickle life, how fickle life can be. So, uh, so you give you give him some credit also for uh, wanting to expand his uh, his range as well. He mm. just doesn't want to be a, a snarky podcast uh, <laughs> comedian anymore as as well. So you know, give him credit for for wanting to to try new things. Andre oh, yeah. Royo is who you're thinking of. Andre Royo was the wild guy who was really ah, yeah. and would run into the desert and he was uh, <laughs> talking about lifting it. But also seeing Allison Janney and um, Stephen Root as Right, bad. it's like Stephen Root as a biker, but it works so wow. well because Stephen Root is, you know, kind of, he's, he's a, what was the name of his character in Office Space? You know, he's stapler, he's stapler guy. Yeah, and. Yeah. You know, seeing him in a in a biker outfit, you're like, okay, you see this guy looks threatening, but once you like look into his eyes, you're like, oh, he's, you know, he looks that way, but he's actually a good person, and you can just kind of get that by looking at Stephen Root. He's right. such a great character actor. I mean, yeah. he just he can do it. And and Allison Janney is a real tough broad. Boy, she was something. Well, you know, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, you know, and fool me again and again and again. You know, she. <laughs> She uh, she had had it with yeah. she had had it with Leslie and yeah. you know she she didn't want to get she didn't want to get stomped on again yeah. mm-hmm. emotionally. I, I say it's a tough movie for the first half of it. If you stick with it, there are some redeeming qualities in more ways than one. Yeah, I I feel sort of mixed about it. It's like it feels sort of repetitive. Like we get that she's a drunk. We get that she ruined her life. Right. But she just keeps doing it. And I understand that's the intention of the film. And I actually kind of respect that. But then when it gets to the whole sort of redemptive arc, it felt like that character in no way, shape or form really earned it or tried to find an attempt to earn it. And I think it has sort of like a closure ending where I sort of wanted something more open-ended because I feel like after that, after she closes the, oh wait, I can't give away the spoilers. No, no. But I feel like she's just going to screw up again in the end. Well, and, it just seemed to me that there were some scenes scenes missing to get to that point. Yeah, it just like 
cuts to a few months later and we're like what what how already and then even yeah. before that i'm wondering i loved mark Maron's character i loved his acting i love sort of that sort of rough <laughs> sort of laugh that he adds to his characters it's sort of the laugh of a man who's been through a lot but is tired of fighting and just goes with the flow like if the guy in the room across from me takes his clothes off and howls like a coyote go ahead you know you sort of got that in him because he he is a person who went through a tremendous amount of pain. Uh, did I don't know if you listened to his podcast at all, but uh, he he did an episode like right after his partner died. Lynn Shelton. Uh, we actually mm. interviewed him with Lynn Shelton in Texas. Oh. oh my goodness! When they were doing Sword of Trust. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Mark Maron's guy. a very indie guy. Yeah. Yeah, and he was fun to talk to. Oh, like, yeah. I've always right. wanted to talk to him. I, I feel like I'd have a lot to relate to him just being in the comedy world and knowing. Right. And Lynn uh, Shelton was a, quite a, a, an astounding. Uh, well, she was on her way to having yeah, quite a she career. She was really yeah. quite talented. And um, I was glad that we had the opportunity to meet her. Yeah, absolute yeah. tragedy. Uh, speaking of which, Ray Liotta, did you guys hear he passed away today? No. Oh, no. You didn't know that? No, I did no. not know this. Oh, I'm so sorry. I had to break it well. to you. Oh, my. Yeah. Another he, great. I know. I mean, he has my favorite quote. As someone who does freelance, I always love the quote from Goodfellas, F you, pay me. You know? <laughs> mm. Well, what happened? I don't know. I just know that he was in his, uh, I think he was somewhere out of out of the country sort of like a very tropical setting and he died in his sleep so it sounds like he went peacefully and that that's good which that's you know good. yeah but, i'm sorry to hear that i have to look that up and yeah but yeah I'm, I'm like i don't know what to i don't know what to post about him other than like a goodfellas meme or something <laughs> but uh i mean circling back to two leslie i mean this movie if you think about it it is a little bit of, it is about loss and it's about coming back uh I feel like, like you said, if they put in a few more scenes establishing why, for instance, Mark Marin loves Leslie or falls for her, because he sort of like lets her do everything while she takes money from him to go drinking. But for some reason, he has feelings for her. But I, I don't know if it's just because he's desperate and he doesn't like see anyone or what it is. Yeah. But that, that didn't seem to quite with me with the movie no there is some good writing in there in in some of the scenes but but it, it is very uneven yeah yeah it's a little uneven uh but it, again andrea risebro is i have to say like she was she, she really did carry that movie because she had to carry that movie right you know but um anyways i'll skip down to the Ooh, okay here's the one that has everyone talking can you guess which one it is i love you dad well, that's that one. No good. <laughs> good luck to you, Leo Grande. No, the, other one. the real screwed up one. Oh, the screwed up. Oh. Resurrection. Resurrection. Yeah. Oh my God! Now that was a movie where, you know, it's a film where you walk out and you don't just forget the movie. You, you turn to someone, and you go, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> or "What did that mean?" And 
And there is no answer. Yeah, there is no answer because it's open-ended. That's the, that's the fun of open interpretation. You become yeah. the storyteller. Yeah. You make the tale. What it, whatever it means to you is what matters. That's like if David Lynch went out there and said, here's everything I know about Eraserhead and here's what you got wrong. Like it would ruin the meaning of the film. Uh, so this is, a, I mean, this is a film where uh, to break down the plot a little bit, a woman uh mary she this is a woman who is i think divorced she's been through some kind of trauma and the person she left keeps traumatizing her but we don't know if he's telling the truth to her which we cannot reveal what that is because that ruined the whole movie or if it's all in her head and Sort of like the, at the end of the Joker, we're going. Was that in the character's head? Was it not? I think part of it was in her head, and part of it wasn't. But particularly she's, the ending. Yeah. Yeah, you know, she's she's definitely disturbed. Something has happened in her past that she's taking out on her daughter, as well as herself. She can't find a comfortable room for herself or a comfortable place, and. Uh, all of a sudden this guy comes into her life and, and just brings back every negative memory that she has. And she kind of flips out. Now I will say that her performance is amazing because she is quite an actress and there is a seven minute monologue that she does. That is incredible just for mm. doing that piece. And she did it in one take and the director said, okay, we've got it. And she said, you know what? I want to make sure that we got it. She did it again in one take, seven mm. minutes. Wow, that's incredible. I, Rebecca has been... <laughs> now, got, Rebecca Hall has been killing it uh, recently. I mean, she did yeah. Passing. She directed that movie, which I thought was phenomenally made, overlooked by the Academy, but mm, what are you going to do? Uh, and yet yeah, the performance she gives in this movie is great what was the other one she did was it called christine or the one where she played the news reporter who offed herself that inspired network oh oh god i don't know i think it might have been called christine but but she was phenomenal in that film way back and uh it was about a news reporter uh her last name was chobach but she, she basically killed herself on the air oh, yeah. because she was going through a mental right. breakdown and right. this is a similar kind of character Right. Well, you see, the, the, yes. this this script is about her slowly unraveling right. uh, as as she descends into either madness or into uh, the clarity of what she has to do to save herself. Yeah. You, yeah. We'll we'll figure you know you figure that out as the as the movie goes along, but it is a it is a slow descent. It it is, and I liked sort of the slow style of it i like movies that allow itself to breathe and you just sort of sink in the atmosphere you yeah, know? Tim Roth is is uh oh, amazing you know, what a what a chilling Woo! what a chilling performance right creepy every time right every time he appears <laughs> on on the screen your skin crawls yeah he's so great imagine what it does to this to this woman who actually suffered at his hands exactly or his brain. Either way, we don't know. 
he's such a versatile actor you know yeah. there's one movie he's in that i absolutely love it's called i think i saw it once but like this is way back like this is like oh it's so embarrassing when like blockbuster video was around and i was like working there uh they there was called 1900 i think and mm-hmm. he was like this uh guy who was a pianist that lived on a boat and he like never moved from that boat and it's like one of his best performances and it's like it's totally worth checking out the cast in this is absolutely stellar i love the reaction of the sort of i guess the intern or whoever it was in the office when rebecca hall's done giving her monologue that basically explains why she's going crazy yeah, and they cut back to the reaction of the girl who was just trying to be nice, and be like, "Hey, if you need a ear, yeah. I'm here to listen." Like people casually say to you, right? Because people say, "Hey, if you ever need someone to talk to," and you're like, "Do you really want me to talk to you? Do you really want to know what's going on?" So she just tells her everything, and her reaction is just pure shock. She's crying. She doesn't know what to say. She's just like, "Feel better." <laughs> she just walks away. It was just so natural. But she was also trying to impart to this young girl some advice in yeah. the process. Oh, yeah. Which was, don't be with a bad... Oh, yeah, she did tell her in the beginning, like, don't be yes. with an abusive person. And Exactly. She this, was trying to do that. Andrew this, Siemens is the director. And he, yeah. he did leave it very open-ended at the end. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is that the scars... Not the nice thing, it's an odd way to say it, but it, the, the scars that psychological trauma puts on you is far more severe than than what physical trauma might Absolutely. do. And that's what really resonated with me. It's like, yeah. wow, like even I'm kind of like messed up after that movie. And I'm like, <laughs> I have to see it again. You have to see it again to kind of understand it, but you don't want to, but you kind of have to. And it like leaves you torn like that character. And the more I thought about that movie, the more I'm like, no, that wasn't tacky. That was brilliant. <laughs> like that was a really good. Of course, of course. The question I have, at, question I have at the end of that movie: Who's going to pay for the damage to the hotel room? <laughs> was there damage though? <laughs> was there? Oh yeah, there was. Da- there was damage in the hotel room. <laughs> there, there was. Now, whether or not there was a victim or or two who knows but yeah yeah, there was damage in the hotel room we don't know yeah this movie psychological horror done right you know this is where like the psychology of it really screws with your head and once it gets to the blood and gut stuff you're like i don't need that but there's not a lot of that so you know but i yeah just seeing the fear in her face the eyes the close yeah was enough forcing her to walk barefoot across like the street to like her her abuser like oh wait i can't give stuff away anyways it's a, we need i need to do a spoiler review later on this film i think this is a movie <laughs> that i would love to revisit and talk about some other time because i could do like a whole hour on it uh but we'll move on to the uh last one here that i saw and i think we saw or i should say everyone saw i love my dad a very yeah. sweet touching title mm-hmm. to a very perverse movie that is actually real and actually is sweet and touching but odd uh did would any would you guys like to break down the plot of this one yeah. right. so this is based uh again as you say on on real facts james morrisini is the uh star and director and writer of this uh of this uh screed uh, and he plays a uh, a young man who's estranged from his father, who's divorced 
divorced from his mother. Uh, he has his own uh, uh, psychological uh, problems that uh, have brought him uh, close to uh, to his own demise. Mm -hmm. But um, his father is a uh, he's a cad. He his his father uh, loves his son with a really a true love, mm -hmm. but he can't find a way to actually uh, give of himself to the relationship. He's absent. Uh, the word is absent. He's just never there for his kid. Uh, and so his son, for his own mental health, cuts him off, cuts him off from social media, cuts him off from, from phone calls, cuts him off from emails. And uh, Pat Oswald, who plays the father, is beside himself. And to get back into his kid's life, he creates a fake a Facebook account of a very beautiful young woman and catfishes his son online. And the woman is real, but mm. in, not in the wheelhouse of either of them. Yeah. It's just a pic of a girl who works in a diner. And that the yeah. dad frequents. Yeah. Yeah. And then he just uploaded it and pretended. And this is all real, folks. Not a fake story, which is what made it work so well. Like, the, although the humor is twisted, it's not meant to be. It's actually meant to be sweet. And that's what works with, with it. Because although it says, I love you, dad, it's more like, I love you, son. And then the son learns how to love the dad exactly. in a very well, odd way. Especially that ending shot where it's sort of like a callback to The Shining with Jack Nicholson looking right. out the window. You know? <laughs> right. But but there is, again, that open-ended uh, and just, I won't give away what the facial expression is at the end, <laughs> uh, gives you hope. There, yeah. That, that, yeah, that there's hope. Uh, but but the, there are so many times in that movie when you just want to say, don't do it. Don't, <laughs> please don't do that. Don't send that text. Don't do this. Don't do that. Well, and, and, and it is, it is a very sweet love story that's unfolding online, that's unfolding, uh, unfolding online. It just so happens that the other end of the sweet love story is the guy's father. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, and that's sort of the catch. And if you told the studio this movie, they probably would have greenlit it. Like anyways, because they'd be like, that's a great comedy. But the fact that this really happened to the guy is absolutely amazing if i were to pull up his name because i am notoriously terrible with names and i don't even try to oh, hide james it anymore james, yeah, james, james morrison. morrison he doesn't morrissey morrissey yeah and his okay. father was actually that's what it was based on no james yeah. james yeah because i was gonna say his performance is actually i mean of course he's playing himself but you, even if you play yourself, you have to have like the audience really like you. And I really liked him because this is a person you could tell has been through a lot of pain, is just trying to learn how to get through life. And you could just see it like in his face, in his eyes, like, yeah, this is my life. I'm really putting myself forward. And I got to give Morrissey like all the credit in the world to tell such a personal, weird story and really? just be like, hey, if people judge me whatever love me for who i am you know and that that's great i i would like that i pat oswald by the way really funny great performer he was a good pick for this role you know i was gonna ask you who else could you see playing that role like so, so that's what i'm thinking like who's someone who could be like quirky but like they're not 
like trying to be and they're like funny and likable, but they're not trying to be. And it's tough. Maybe just because he's his friend, Brian Poussain, although he would look a little weird in that role. I could think of a lot of comedians who could probably play that role. But uh, Oswald has sort of established himself as sort of like this weird, nerdy guy. And just like his persona sort of worked in that uh, sort of role where he's he's nerdy and like somehow he got. You know, lucky and, and you know who else could have, you know, it just came to you know who else could have played that role? Hmm. Mark Maron. Yeah, he could have. He would have been you, again, like comedians are great at that. Uh, here's the funny thing. I, I I here's a myth I like to break down. Comedians, people say are when they're doing a dramatic role, they're like, Oh, they're doing drama. It's like doing drama is natural for them because they come from a lot of pain it's not an easy job to do and they can project that to the audience and on the screen so whenever someone is considered to be a comedic actor and they do a serious role i always go well that's a that's a label don't call someone a comedic actor call them an actor because they all can do the same thing, and they can't all do it. No. Uh, they, they not, well, all, not all, but you know what I mean. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we were just watching uh, the first episode on HBO Max of Judd Apatow's uh, three-part series about George Carlin, George Carlin. Oh. Uh, which is which is a terrific piece so yes. far. But George Carlin uh, admitted, and it was true, when he tried to get into acting, he couldn't do it. No, it wasn't mm. his thing. He couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, some some can, some can't. It's sort of like when someone sees Jim Carrey and they're like, he can't act. He could just be silly. It's like, no, not true. He can tone that down. Watch Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind, you know, and you'll, uh, yeah, which, you know, of course, that was a big movie when I was growing up. But yeah, this movie is creepy and like loving and funny sort of yeah funny and heartfelt and like none of the jokes feel forced it's like you feel like oh no this is literally what someone would say in this situation this is what someone would do this is the mistake someone would make like everything just seems believable and it clicks we also ought to ought to call out uh, the mother in this uh uh landecker yeah amy landecker amy amy landecker uh Mm -hmm. local chicago uh, it comes from Chicago radio yes. royalty, as a matter of Ooh. fact. Her father okay. is uh, John Records yeah. Landecker. Uh, she plays the mother in this. And uh, she also uh, puts in a, a pretty honest performance as well. I enjoyed I enjoyed the. She wasn't on camera a lot, but I enjoyed her time on the screen. Yeah, but she had some really important scenes that kind of pulled it all together. It was interesting, too, as we saw it without an audience first. And this was... Oh the second time that we saw it with an audience and the, I mean, the laughs were extraordinary. I mean, it, it, the audience, oh, it resonated with the, yeah, audience, the visible sure. and the discomfort. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. And we won't give away why it's uncomfortable, but you, you can you imagine. You will be saying, don't, please don't do that. Oh, oh my God. Oh yeah. No, I loved, uh, I love Patton's joke. Like in the, uh, in the Q and A afterwards, he's like, that's how I got the role. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is that James Morosini actually, played it for his father, played the film for his father. Oh, and, that's right. And he has brought them closer together. Oh, the good. Yeah, because you'd have to imagine it. Well, I'm guessing the dad at that point, because he knows what happened, and, and it was so weird in the first place. He's like, well, you know what? Like, you should make it a movie. And his son, and he's doing whatever he can to love his son. So, yeah, I wish his dad was there so bad, but that's okay. 
it would have been cool if he screen tied him, but I don't know where his dad was. But I guess Morsini's relationship with his father is is much improved thanks to uh, yes, thanks to trauma. Yay! Even <laughs> well, and Claudia Saluski, who plays the girlfriend or the mm-hmm. you know sort of girlfriend. Uh, she does a great job too of being very convincing, and there's well, some she, real raw scenes in there. She mm-hmm. actually has the toughest the toughest yeah, role in this absolutely. in this whole movie is because she has to uh, play herself and then play the girlfriend uh, in the relation in the relationship yeah. as well, yeah. who's falling in love, and uh, and then the realization of what's going on and. Uh, yeah, she she has a multi layered uh, job to do and, yeah, and pulls it off. Good for her. Well, it's really an ensemble piece where everything works together, especially towards the you know the climax of the film. You know, you, it's not the climax you expect. No, and they don't pull the you know carpet from underneath your feet just for the sake of it. There's there's something very real in it because you're you're like, is this going to end horribly? Is this going to end well? you'll see (laughs) but uh, yeah the the funny thing is this this year uh but yeah this movie i liked a lot if i were to wrap up this film festival in general from what i saw that there's some solid lineups there's some uh there's one movie i guess we didn't get to see that i could mention uh but i'd like to know what movies did you guys see that uh i did i didn't get to uh to witness that you would recommend well we saw emma thompson in Good Luck to You, Leo Grande. Oh, yes. yes. Another uncomfortable kind of oh, role. Oh, my goodness. I, I saw the thumbnail, and I read the description. It's like, Emma Thompson finds her sex life. And I'm like, Emma Thompson's beautiful, but, you know, it's kind of like a little past my age range. I don't know if I want to watch that for two I hours. think it's a very interesting movie, and you yeah. should. But... Oh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I will watch but, uh, it. Because she... After dark. No, and again... <laughs> Because she plays a woman who has, uh, her husband died several years before, and she has never had sexual satisfaction, and she hires a sex worker to help her find it. Oh, that's and so it's a, it's a, there's a lot of discussion about everything. Mm. And a really good person to play off of who helps her find what she's looking for, but, but mentally as well as physically. And she bears all. I mean, she is very um, out there. She, she dispenses with vanity. Uh, Completely. And, You'll never look at yourself in the mirror the same way after well, seeing her do the same. Yeah, I think I think we kind of obsess. I, I kind of like Europe's approach or France's approach to the human body where it's more natural instead of like America where it's like, oh my God, I see someone naked. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. You're you're making a point. Uh I think I was making a point that caught oh, no, the, okay. the young man, uh uh the sex worker, uh who, I'm gonna find his name. Yeah, right who was uh we last saw him in Pixie. Uh, he was one of one of the uh, uh trio of uh, Dylan men, McCormick. Dylan McCormick. Mm-hmm. Uh is gives a very uh, a nicely balanced uh, performance as well, uh, and also you know when we find his backstory, his his backstory also becomes uh, a nice part of this movie as well. So I won't give any more away uh, no, don't. F- from that. But uh, again, uh, Emma Emma Thompson uh, getting um, uh, sexual gratification 
always a good day at the movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, good for her. Good for her for loving her body. You know, I'm all for that. And also, it reminds me of a movie. Do you remember the sessions where yes. Helen Hunt played a sex worker yes. and John yes. Hawks was? Uh, right. Uh, he had a, he had some sort yeah. of I don't know what Excellent. it was. It might he have been was, ALS. Yeah. I don't know. He he was paralyzed. He had uh, he couldn't 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 move. Yeah, and she she sort of showed him you know sexual pleasure, although you know he couldn't feel anything down there. I think, but you know it's a, it's I would like to see more movies that are sexually positive, that are fun about sex and happy about it, instead of treating it like it's taboo, like the United States usually does. That sounds like a kind of movie that I'd like to see. It's real. It's like Short Bus. Like that was a real positive one that you know is very infamous that I that I actually really. Uh, digged when i saw it um are there any suggestions well there's one other um film straighten up and fly right mm, what's that about so this movie is uh again based on reality as well it takes place in new york uh kirsten uh abel right abate. kirsten abate kirsten uh abate. kirsten abate plays uh this young woman who uh suffers from a debilitating kind of arthritic disease which uh, causes her to be painfully hunched over. She can't straighten oh. up. She can't. She's constantly over with her arms askew. And, and her it's legs very, cross kind of as she walks. Very painful. And she works as a dog walker in New York. But she cannot, if she drops her keys, for instance, she has to ask so, for someone for help right. to pick them up. She can't, she can't bend over. She can't Everyone move. should see this film. Everyone uh, should see this film. She uh, has a friendship with... Uh, or develops a friendship with another person, Stephen Tenenbaum is his name, who also suffers from, he's older than her, but suffers from the same kind uh, of... Um, Disease. Uh, uh, it's, a, yes. it's, an, it's a condition. Uh, uh, same, same sort of condition. And they strike up this friendship. She is uh, caustic and satirical and funny. And gets high a lot and takes a lot of painkillers because of her condition. And so, do, and so does he. And, and, so they have, and they have this friendship in real life. Yeah. And so mm. there's, there's this movie that develops this, this friendship and her, her road to uh, coming to love herself, coming to mm. accept herself and uh, emerge as a, a fully... Uh, a fully functioning uh, personality. But Stephen Tannenbaum, who is in this, he's an, 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 in the art community in New York and has written a lot of plays. And mm. she was a student. She is not uh, handy, disabled at all. She is a full-fledged actress doing a lot of things. And she plays this woman who is completely de you know, debilitated mm. and ug ugly, really, and down on her luck. And there are some really interesting ways that they portray this and some scenes that are really interesting. When she first is going to walk Steve Tannenbaum's dog, she goes to his apartment and they do a mirror image of the two of them both bent over. Like, so you can see what they have to deal with. And she thinks he's making fun of her. Oh, okay. It's the real deal that he really has got the same thing she does. And 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 there's a lot of interesting scenes about how they end up, you know, being very wary of each other and then becoming friends. So and how she he helps her develop her artistic abilities. It's a little movie that not many people will probably see, but should. 
It but what's the name of it? Because when this video is up, I want everyone to see the names of the films in the description so they can all Google them. <laughs> straight, straighten up and fly, fly right. right. Which straighten is the name of a fly right. right. Right, that's the name of a Nat King Cole song, and the movie opens up on somebody tap dancing, which is ah. I, I love tap dancing. Uh, <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't? So there uh, you go. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think for the uh, one, I can suggest that uh, the extra one that I saw that was uh, very good. I even spoke to the uh, director about it. Uh, it's called "Hold Your Fire," and it's a movie about the longest standoff that happened in New York City history. Mm-hmm. And miraculously, only one person got killed. But it could have been a far worse situation. But the reason that whole situation didn't turn out to be as destructive as it could have been was because of the teachings of a particular uh, psychologist named Harvey Schlossberg who came up with these hostage negotiation tactics that most of Europe has uh, used, which has saved like 40,000 lives or something like that. I could be inflating the number. I'm not sure. And yeah, this whole incident happened because there was these four um, African-American men who go into a convenience store um, I think to like rob it and then a bunch of cops come in and, you know, they're yelling just horribly racist things over the radio and they're basically out there to kill them. And thanks to this guy and this situation, this standoff that lasted, I think for about like 48 hours, like wound up with one death, which was possibly the result of a officer firing at the suspects and hitting one of his own officers by incident but they won't know and what a timely film to come oh, out yeah, absolutely the time i mean my god but i when i spoke to the uh, director it was a little embarrassing uh i it i was the last guy that day and you know the lights are going down and he was like Oh, like yawning in between. So I'm like, oh, maybe he wants to wrap up. So like I said, like, oh, thank you for your time after interviewing for like 13 minutes. He kind of looks like, huh? And I'm like, oh, you're yawning. Do you, like, did you want to still go? But I didn't say that, but I mentioned it later. But he was an amazing guy, uh, Stephen Forbes. I actually have a little soundbite from him uh, on, my inst- on my TikTok page uh, where he talks about toxic masculinity and how it affects us as a culture and causes us to be very combative instead of empathetic and the police force that they're they suffer through a lot of trauma too but they don't get any consultation other than alcoholism so uh it's it's an incredible timely piece to see it's called hold your fire i think it's in it might still be playing in the gene cisco center now i'm not sure but it should, if you just Google it, it should be playing in like little indie theaters. And hopefully it'll show up on more screens because it is phenomenally paced, phenomenally edited. And you really do get the perspective from both parties. But it's very honest. Like when they show the cops, there's like a clip where one of the cops says, I don't know a single racist cop. And or like, he, no, he says, I'm sorry, I should requote myself. He says, I know for a fact 
that cops aren't racist when moments before he says that they said and word with guns like inconvenience store and there's like one of his buddies saying that and you know uh, but then you also see the guys who are involved in that incident and they're not what you would think they're not just like a bunch of sleazy robbers you know they were just confused kids who got like 35 year sentences mm. you know and it happens all the time yeah like one was like a guy who kind of realized in the moment he was he needed to defend himself but he kind of like learned how he was lost stuff like that but he wasn't really aiming to hurt anyone and then there was another guy who's just really quiet who is like was who just got recently released from jail and just like plays music and is just like this soft-spoken sweet guy and you're like man that's just so if the, i was just thinking man if these were white guys i wonder if they would have gotten out of jail earlier but so much to think about with that movie and yeah. just so many good films like man the lineup this year was like one of my favorites in a long time honestly well and i also want to tell you that we we did interview cooper ray for cha-cha real smooth and yeah. that'll be up soon and also cc cc cleary, uh, CC cleary. Yeah. yeah for two uh two leslie and we also interviewed um steve steven tannenbaum and Kristen Abate and uh, one of the other actors in the movie, AJ, uh, for the Straighten Up and Fly Right. And that was a fascinating topic because they said what had inspired them to do the film. And I'm not going to say what it is. You got to tune into oh, our interview oh to God. find out. Oh, please, please, please give me a link to that to put in the episode later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. So links to anything. That's what I do. I So I don't have to ask later. But yeah. But, but guys, if you guys want to... Little, sorry, brain farts. Um, closing out, what did you guys think of the overall festival? I think they did a nice job. Uh, also, there's docu- there were documentaries and shorts uh, that uh, that or were worth, worth seeing. Navalny, of course, the uh, the Navalny. documentary uh, is should be seen by everyone. We'll let you know what uh, the story is in Russia. This is Navalny who. Uh, he was the man who was uh, poisoned in his underpants by Putin. <laughs> and <laughs> For, the documentary yeah. is quite powerful and and absolutely current. And uh, he is now in jail, and his sentence has just in in Russia because he went back. He's a dissident who is trying to oust Putin, and he was put in jail for nine years, and it's just been extended another nine years. So. Hopefully Putin won't last that long. Yeah. So yeah. see what happens. But I think that the the you know they picked some really excellent films, mm-hmm. some of which we saw at uh, at uh, South by and, and Sundance, and they were presented in really good fashion and tried to get some the directors there so you could really find out about how they were made and why they were made. Yeah. So. Uh, and one one tip for anybody who goes to uh, the Music Box Theater, wonderful theater, beautiful theater, pick a seat where the speakers uh, give you the give you acceptable sound. Yes. The, Left the side. Sound, the sound <laughs> is the weakest part of the experience of going to the Music Box. Yes. Yes, I love it. It's my fav- one of my favorite theaters, like literally in the world. But the the uh, acoustics from the speakers. They either need to update because they're kind of bouncing off the walls from the venue all over. So the vocals that come, I think, from primarily the left speaker, from what I can tell, is just kind of doing all the work. 
and it was kind of bouncing through there. There were some classic films they did show, but like they showed Boogie Nights and 35 millimeter, which that was like watching it for the first time. Like I've seen it a million times in my life, and I'm like, I never knew this film looks so vibrant and colorful and amazing. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but I did this movie is a cell this movie this festival is a celebration of movies, a celebration of art. It's an it's a smaller event in a venue that still seats like I don't know, like three hundred people or something like that. Probably more. I'm way off. It's way more. I don't know. But the, it's somewhere that's intimate. You can talk to the filmmakers. You can hang out with them. You know, they're not on a red carpet where there's like a million cameras. They're like, okay, go here, go here, go here now. It's it's just something that's real chill. And uh, you could tell the filmmakers had a great time because I, I, I think like about three of them were just like wasted <laughs> when I was talking to them. But I mean, uh, to, to be honest, I had a couple of white claws too. So then we were like, I'm like, vibing the same way <laughs> it's a film lovers festival where you yeah. can really feel that you're with people who are are just as excited about it as you are and you can get a lot of information and, and it, it it is just really easy and uh enjoyable yeah it's it's fun it's fun and that's kind of the main thing and it, and it's accessible and i can't wait to see what they have next year the lineup was incredibly diverse this year uh before we close out yeah. Before we close out, uh, what would you guys like to plug before anything? Moviesandshakers.com. Yes. <laughs> uh, YouTube, Movies and, and Shakers, shakers. on uh, YouTube. So, and we're uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Facebook. We're also Rotten Tomatoes. Right. I also, right. I also sell coffee on the side on the corner. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> guys go to moviesshakers.com Linda Lerner amazing festival thank you so much for coming on it was great to hang out with you guys and see people in person again oh my gosh really treat, Mike. well my, much good luck to you Mike take care everybody thank you so much for letting us talk about it yeah, thank you alright I'm off to work <laughs> bye 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 well I hope you enjoyed the episode again check out Al and Linda Lerner's material on moviesandshakers.com. They also have a YouTube channel called Movies and Shankers. Shankers? Shakers! <laughs> that, that, that's the prison version if you go to Movies and Shankers. Having said that, please check out my interviews with the filmmakers at the fest and theirs as well in the description below. Alright guys, please check out the description, uh, check out some of these films. Uh, Resurrection's gonna... Ooh, it's gonna blow your mind. It's like I, I just I just can't wait to do an episode where I can just talk about the spoilers and just get into it and what it means. Cause it's a movie that you can't say anything about. Anyways, I could go on forever about these movies. I love my dad, incredible, hold your fire, incredible, cha-cha slide, or cha-cha real smooth. I gotta see it again. It was just you know. Uh, but again, I'm the only guy on earth who kind of felt that way, and I'm always willing to see a movie again change my mind. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Yes, that was my hand hitting the couch. Yes, I'm recording this on my iPhone because I always forget my sound recorder since I'm using it in 50 other places. Okay, thanks a lot for watching. Goodbye.